All right. Tonight I'm going to try to cover a uh, difficult concept here. I'm going to try to explain something that's uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to explain and one that can easily be taken wrong, what I'm going to be trying to preach on. I'm going to be preaching kind of against some things that aren't necessarily sins, okay? And so what the title of my message tonight is Destructive Cultural Practices Hurting Families. And what we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at some things that technically themselves, they are not sins, okay? So when you hear me talking against some of these things this evening, I'm not saying if you've done some of this stuff that you or it's what you're currently doing, your current situation, that you are necessarily in sin, but what I do want to show you is that there are some situations that are not ideal, okay? They're not necessarily how God set things up, how God made things. But at the same time, my, my dad used to give the illustration a lot of times, you can use this butter knife as a flathead screwdriver. You know, it can get the job done, but how many's ever done that before? All right, but yeah, I see a lot of hands go up. But the truth is, it's not the best way to do it. And if you continue to do that all the time, you know, you're going to mess up your butter knife by doing that, Okay. So, and the thing is, there's a lot of things that we're seeing going on in our culture today that it's not necessarily what God intended. It's not to say that that can ever, you can, you can never ever do that. But the thing is, when we go around promoting that type of thing, it ends up creating other problems later. And I want to talk about some of these things tonight. I want to show you something here in the book of Leviticus, in the beginning of the chapter, uh, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking of the children of Israel, and saying to them, I am the Lord your God, after the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. God's just basically using a, a real general statement here and saying, Don't do what the Egyptians did. Don't do what the Canaanites do when you go into their land. Their ways, their methods, their ordinances are not what I want for you. You're going to walk in my ordinances, is what God's saying here. He said, you should do my judgments and keep mine ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. God's saying, you know what? I'm going to tell you what kind of culture you ought to have. I'm going to tell you how things ought to be done. And then he goes on here and he gives a whole bunch of, uh, you know, he gives a whole bunch of specifics. And then and when we jump down to verse 24... It says, neither shalt thou lie with any, or verse 22, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. Therefore do I visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out the inhabitants. We see that... In this particular case, when he's talking about homosexuality, bestiality, things like that, the Bible says the land itself vomits out the inhabitants. In other words, there are physical consequences that come from a result of these things. And it's, you know, and today we know these things as AIDS and all these STDs and things like that that are killing all these people. And are often killing innocent people too that ended up getting infected by these things. And so there's, you know, certain sins for sure too, like these major sins, these major abominations. One of the things that's so bad about them is they create other problems. And homosexuality, people's like, you know what, people doing the privacy of their own home, 
You know, no, not with stuff like that because there are consequences. If it was just the disgusting act, it'd be one thing, but it's the fact that it warps these people's minds. It's the fact that they become predators. It's the fact that they spread disease. All these things are factors. And so, therefore, you know, stuff like homosexuality, that is, in fact, a sin. You know, there's no doubt about that. But there's other things. There's other things that might just be practices, ordinances, Things themselves that are not necessarily sins, but yet the practice of these things for you know for a long length of time can often create some unintended consequences in the culture. Okay, and so I want to show you a few things because you know uh, you know specifically things that are hurting families. There's things that are going on, things that are being taught, things that are gonna, that are being promoted, things that people are being encouraged to do that it's not what God intended. And there may be circumstances where somebody needs to do these things or it just kind of happens, but when we're promoting these things, it is dangerous. And so, you know, often when you hear preaching on the family, things often just, you know, they sound so simple. You know, the pastor just gets up, spank your kids, your kids will be good. You know, that sounds really easy, right? You know, but the truth is there's always a lot of things that are involved. There's a lot of factors you know, when it comes to, you know, and when it comes to marriages these days and raising kids, you know, we're not seeing a lot of good product coming from churches today. And it's because, you know, it's more than just one thing that you got to do. You know, it's more than just my five second message I did, learn when to keep your mouth shut and things like that. You'll have a good marriage. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of factors you got to look at. And it also seems like there's a lot of families that often, it's like they go through life easy. You know, you'll see... It's like some people have easy marriages. They have easy lives. It's like they raise their kids easy. It's like everything goes smooth. They don't really have any problems. They got other people. Man, it's just a battle. It's just a fight. And it's like the people who have it easy don't seem like they're trying real hard to do everything right. Where the family that's just in turmoil and struggling, it just seems like a constant battle. And the truth is, often the problem is a cultural problem. And we talked a while back, did a bunch of message about how to change your culture and the truth is, there are a lot of things culturally that are wrong with America that create a chain reaction of problems. And so it's like these days, whenever people come and they want to get their families fixed, it's like they always want you to just tell them, give up this one sin, do this one thing, and it'll fix all my problems. But most of the time today, because our culture is such a wreck, when people come and they're wanting you to help them, you know, the question is, where do we begin? There's literally 75 things that they need to do because our culture is messed up. Christian people today are doing things the ways of the Americans. There, you know, there's not a huge difference many times between God's people and their culture and the Americans and their culture. And we wonder why we're having all the same problems as the American culture. And so... There's a lot of things we could talk about. There's a lot of specific sins, but I want to just show you things that are not necessarily sins, but I do believe they have an unintended consequence. And the reason this is a problem, the reason I'm preaching about this, is because people are promoting this stuff. This is stuff that people are promoting. And even Christian people will sometimes advise you know, young people and young married couples to do these things. Some of this stuff is even promoted in Bible colleges today. And this stuff, it's, it's not good. It's not something that we ought to be promoting 
there's it could because these things create greater challenges in life that people don't need. We've got enough working against us. We don't need to encourage somebody to do a practice that's just going to make things even more challenging. So I don't know if I'll even get through all of these things tonight. But once again, I do want to say none of these things that we're going to be talking about are necessarily sins that you are guilty of. But they are things that will potentially create some greater challenges for you and for the future of your family. And I think if we understand these things, if you are one of these people who maybe just, you know, not by choice, but some of these things have just kind of happened in your life, if you recognize the fact that, you know, you are kind of at a disadvantage, it can kind of help you figure out what to do going forward to help your family, your family out whenever you do get married and start having kids. So the first thing I want to point out that I believe is a bad practice that is being promoted in our culture today and it's even being practiced and promoted in churches and even Bible colleges teaches some of these things and that is teaching people to get married older rather than younger. Okay? Now, you are not sinning. You are not in sin if you do not get married until you're older. I, that, there's, there's no doubt about that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You are not in sin if you do that. You know, one thing I hate more than anything is when a pastor gets up and they just declare a new sin. I hate that. We are not allowed to do that. We don't just get to make up sins. There's a lot of stuff that I don't like, but even though I don't like it, I don't just get to declare it a sin. And what do we do? What's everybody's go-to? Because you've got to have a verse if it's going to be a sin, right? And so, you know, everybody goes to, it's like, you know, I, I think, you know, putting ketchup on your scrambled eggs is disgusting. You know, I, I think that's just foolish. And the thought of foolishness is sin. There you go. I got a verse. You know, because I don't like it and I want to preach again. You know, you can't do that. You can't just say the thought of foolishness is sin and just use that for everything you want to be a sin. Okay? We do not have the authority to create sins. And trust me, if we could, I'd have figured it out a long time ago and I'd be doing it all the time. I'd be, I'd be creating new sins all the time. But I do want to say that I think it is foolish for us as a culture and as God's people to encourage young people to wait until they're older to get married, I believe God intended for man to get married at a younger age. Now, not everybody's going to get married at the same age. But I do believe the predominant practice ought to be to get married younger. I believe that that was God's will. And so let's look at a few uh, passage of scripture, First Corinthians seven, verse one. It says, "Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer." And come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. For I would that all men were as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this man and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I, but if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn, and under the married I, I command, yet not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. Now notice here, Paul, he's, he's preaching here and he's saying, listen, 
in my opinion, for me, he said, I think men would be better off if they didn't get married. Now, there is a reason for that. We're going to cover this. Last week, my message got some MGTOW clowns all excited when I was going after the women. You know, and I wasn't thinking about them at the time. But listen, MGTOWs, if you don't know what those are, men go their own way. It's like a, it's a movement of loser guys who have been defeated by feminism. Okay, that is what a MGTOW is. A MGTOW is a guy who hates feminism. I hate feminism too, but you know what? I refuse to let it beat me. I refuse feminism to, to let feminism take away, you know, the pleasure and the joys of having a wife and having children. I refuse to let the feminists beat me. Now, if these guys want to get beat up by the Hillary Clintons and the Rachel Maddows and all the people like that, you know what, go for it, but I refuse to let them win. But these guys are all just a bunch of pansies and they get their feelings hurt so bad. Any video that you ever see about MGTOW, I mean, they're immediately on it. I don't know how they got on my that one clip I did so fast. I must have a lot of them following me. Because, I mean, I did that one clip just because I saw they got excited about one thing I said. I want to let them know what I think about them. I mean, they were on it immediately. You know, leaving negative comments and, you know, just you know, being nasty. These guys are crybaby losers like I have never seen before. A bu- and, you know, what do you expect from guys that got whooped by women? <laughs> they got whooped by the women and they do, man. They throw hissy fits like you wouldn't believe. And they love bringing up what Paul said here. But, you know, MGTOWs, you know, they're like Ruckmanites. You know, they only look at one verse that they like and they never look at context. They don't look at the whole thing. And so they see Paul talking about how he thinks it'd be better if they remain like he did. But let me ask you, he, what did he go on and say, though? He said, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. What are, is most guys are not going to be able to contain? It's just most guys need a wife. And so they ought to get a wife. Why would you go encouraging guys who are single, who like women, to just remain single? Why would, why would you promote that? Now, is it a sin for a guy to remain single? No. He's not sinning if he does that. But do we really want to encourage that? Do we really want to encourage them to be in that situation, to be tempting, that's going to make most guys not as happy? Why would we encourage that thing? You know, we encourage people getting married. We encourage people getting together. Why? Because that is better. And you know, that sure is a whole lot better for our culture because if guys aren't getting married, then how are we going to go on as a society? But these guys, they're just, they're foolish. There is a reason that Paul, you know, said this, and we're going to see that here in just in a little bit, but the longer you wait to get married, the more potential trouble you're going to get in. The longer you wait, the more bad habits you're going to develop. And listen, ladies, you don't change the guy. Okay? I'm going to marry and I'm going to change him. No, you're not. No, you're not. And the thing is, you know, if when a guy's single for a long time, or even when a lady's single for a long time, they get used to a certain independence. They're going to start developing, you know, different habits and things that's going to be hard for them to get out of. Once again, not a sin. But just understand when that day finally comes and you do get married, it's always a challenge when two people get married to each other. 
It's always a challenge. Marriage isn't an easy thing. It's, a, it's always an adjustment. But the longer you wake, the bigger that adjustment's going to be. The harder it's going to be. So the thing is, it's not a sin to wait until you're in your 30s or your 40s to get married. But just understand, you're going to have some bigger challenges than the people who get married in their 20s. And if you understand that, if you know that, it will help, you know, it'll hopefully help you make some better decisions and kind of prepare for some of these things. But because it's so much harder, why would we encourage that? Why would we be promoting waiting longer to get married? Why would we be telling our Bible college students, you know, just, you know, you know why they tell Bible college students to wait? Because if the Bible college students get married, chances are the girl's probably going to get pregnant. Now, Bible college also promote birth control too often. And that's, that's another subject for another day. That's also wrong. But if they go and they get married, she's probably going to get pregnant. And so now she's probably going to drop out of college and they just lost some tuition money. You can kind of see why they would want them to wait until after because they don't want any distractions. They don't want them losing that tuition money. But folks, that is not, that's wrong. You're just putting them in a tempting situation. We, why would you promote that? Is it a sin to wait till you get out of Bible college to get married? No. But it could be a very dangerous thing. And so when you're telling people, you ought to wait until after Bible college you get married, you ought to wait until whatever, that is, that's just dumb. Okay? If somebody chooses to do that, if somebody feels like they can do that, they feel like they can handle that, they feel like it's best for them, they can do that. But promoting that type of thing, that is a foolish decision. The longer you wait, the more of an adjustment it's going to be when you get married. And the Bible says in Matthew 19, verse 5, it says, and, and he said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh, with therefore God hath joined together. Let not man put asunder. It was God's intention for man, when he leaves his father and mother, to leave his father and mother to go be joined into his wife. That was God's intention. Now, is it a sin if a man leaves his father and mother and does not get married right away? No, that's not a sin. If there's a guy who's 30 years old and he's living on his own and not living with mom and dad anymore, he's not in sin. But do you all realize it is much easier, I believe, to go from father and mother and right to the wife. Because of the fact, one... When you're at home with father and mother, it's a lot harder to get in trouble because you got somebody looking out for you. And when you're married, it's harder to get in trouble because you have somebody looking out for you. When you are single and by yourself, it's not a guarantee you're going to do this, but it's easier to be irresponsible. It's easy to be reckless. That's when a lot of people make a lot of foolish decisions. No one's looking out for them. Nobody's watching them. They are not responsible for anybody. But when you leave father and mother and you're married and then you start having kids, now you have people that you are responsible for. And you know what it does? It matures you a little bit faster. And our society today is admitting that most people today, they're saying, aren't ready to get married until they're 30. Well, why is that? Because most people, they, they're not very mature in their 20s. But there's a reason for that. It's because they, we have this practice of going and just doing your own thing throughout your 20s and just being stupid, making dumb mistakes. Listen, out at the distribution center, they have these posters up there. 
You know, it's like a Walmart thing, you know, living your best life. And what do they have on there? They've got like a bunch of millennial types in their 20s, probably close to 30, running on a running down a beach with sparklers. Kids do that kind of stuff. That's kids stuff right there. But they they show this type. That's what they promote with millennials. It's it's 20 year olds, you know, people in their 20s playing around like little kids. When they're that age, they should be watching their little kids run down the beach with sparklers. That's where, when you're in your 20s, you get your pleasures from watching your little kids run around and goof off and do all that stuff. But we've got a generation today that still run around like a bunch of little kids and they use that kind of stuff as promotion. That, I, that picture makes me sick every time I see it. It just, I, I can't stand the millennial generation, folks. Alright? It's a joke. And if you're in that age demographic, it doesn't mean you're a millennial. Okay, and I, and you're not. We don't have millennials in this church. We throw them out. They, they, we don't even have to throw them out. They, you know, we run. They, they just get ran out because they can't handle any type of preaching. They don't. But folks, it's God intended for man to leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. There are situations. Sometimes the woman's just not there. Sometimes the parents might not be there. So no one's sinning if they're not married in their 20s. All right? I want you to get that. No one is sinning. But for us to promote this attitude to 20-year-olds, go have your fun, go run down the beach with sparklers, go do things like that when you're in your 20s, instead of getting married and having kids, that's just dumb. And that's going to hurt our culture when we do that. That is not a responsible practice. That was not God's intention. That is not what we were supposed to be doing when we're getting to that age. And so, people have got to just get this stuff out of their head. It's not helping. It's not making things better. Now, look at, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and look at verse 34. Okay? And let's, let's look at some more MGTOW passages that they love. It says, There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin... If she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not. Let them marry. This is in reference to a father giving away his daughter to be married. He's saying, you know, if a father wants to give away his daughter to be married, let him do what he will. He's not sinning in this. Okay? Paul's saying the same thing that I'm saying to you today. That, you know, he said, I think he should do this, but if he doesn't do it, it's not a sin. Okay? And let's look, let's keep reading. It says, but if any man think, uh, verse 37, nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his will, own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord, but she is happier if she so abide after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. MGTOWs kept bringing this up. Paul thought it was better for him not to be married. Paul, th- you know, Paul said it was better. He said he has the Spirit of God. And that was better, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's better. 
You say, are you contradicting Paul? I'm saying, I don't think it's better today. I don't think it is better in this present situation. Let's say, are you adding to the words of God? Nope, I'm using all of it because look what Paul said in verse 25. He says, Now concerning virgins I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. When Paul was given these instructions here, he's saying in our present situation that we are in right now, they were in a time where the church was being persecuted. They were living during a very difficult time where people are dying for their faith. And he's saying, I think, it's, I think you're better off now to not be married in this present distress. Is Paul saying this for all time, for all cultures? Are we being persecuted for our faith today? Now, I know we think we are because somebody calls us a name and says something nasty about us on Facebook, but that's not persecution. Nobody's being killed today for their faith. None of you ladies in here have had your husband, you know, had a husband that's went out and killed or beat up for being a Christian. That's not going on. We are not in any physical danger right now for being Christians. And so for us to just, to use this method that Paul was teaching that he recommended during a difficult time is just foolish. We are not in that time. We are not in that culture. We are not in that situation. And yes, if we were under heavy persecution, if we were being attacked, if we're being attacked, if all these things are going on, if we're in running, if we're on the run, if we're hiding, then you know that's probably not the best time to start a family. Kind of like what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, woe unto them that are with child in those, and to them that give suck in those days. Is Jesus saying, woe unto them that are with child and them that give suck all the time? Otherwise, is he saying, is he saying, you know what, birth control folks, just don't have any kids. You know, woe unto them that are with child. He's talking about a specific time. Right now, it is a blessed time to have children. You know, it's a good thing. It's something that we ought, it's something we ought to do. And so just because the Apostle Paul was talking about a specific time when he's saying, this isn't a sin if you get married, but I recommend right now in this present distress that you don't do it. And yet, people that these clown, loser, defeated by the feminist, pansified, MGTOW clowns, they, that's their life verse. They all, they all want to go, they all love parts of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, except for the flea fornication part. You know, and then you've got these fake Christian MGTOW clowns. The only way you can be more pathetic than a MGTOW is to be a Christian MGTOW. I'm, ser I'm serious about that. That's the only way you could be more pathetic. You know, to go and take, to take just epic losers and then to go and attach Christianity to something so pathetic, that's only, that's, you just make it worse. That's why I think Christian rock is worse than rock music. You take something that wicked and you mix it with something Christian, that doesn't even make sense. That is an abomination. And these guys, they are, they are Pathetic losers, and you know what? I will, I will always get the pleasure of knowing that they have to live in their misery. 
And they are desperate to spread that misery because that's what miserable people do. And they will be crying all over this video when they when that's on you. They're they're going to cry all over. They're going to leave their crybaby comments like crazy. I've got I mean I've got these. There's one he's like wanting to debate me and stuff I'm like. There is no debate on this. Your royal patheticness. That <laughs> you you have no clue what you're talking about. It's just it's sad. All right, but you know these are the days we live in today. Only the millennial generation could produce MGTOWs. That's, that's it. That's only, you know, it can't get any worse than that. I, I shouldn't say that, but I just, I don't see how it can get any worse. But yeah, they, they need to pay attention to that. I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress. My question for MGTOWs, what's your present distress? You can't handle the Hillary's? You know, you can't handle the, I don't know who the fame, Elizabeth Warrens and all, all these people out there today. What is, what is, you know, just sad bunch of losers. But no matter what the culture, no matter what the time, fornication is always wicked. I don't care what, what we are living in, what is going on, fornication is always wicked. We should always flee fornication. Fornication is always a sin no matter what. There is no, there is no doubt about that. And so if you want to listen to a bunch of whip punks and not get married, you're not sinning. But I do believe that in this day and hour that you will be happier if you uh, remain so as I. Married with children. I believe that will make you happier. And you know what? I believe I have the Spirit of God. Now I don't think what I'm saying ought to have, be in, you know, added to the scriptures, but I do. In this you know, and we've got our own set of distress, but I think in this present distress, you're better off to have a wife and kids. And I, I'm, I'm thankful I got mine, and I would, I will continue to encourage that type of thing. So you know, I mean, how old? You know, so how old did they typically get married in the Bible? You know, and there, there's no age. The Bible doesn't really give an age. I do think it's interesting. In Numbers chapter one, verse three, it says, "From twenty years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel." Uh, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. They would go to war at 20, but it was also said um, in Deuteronomy 24.5, when a man have taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war. I imagine there's a lot of people getting married probably around that time. And just historically, that's kind of around the time most people get, get married. You know why? Because it's around that time when they start getting mature and they're just physically ready for that. You know, we're maturing faster physically today I talked about that a couple weeks ago, you know, thanks to all the hormones and things that are in food, while we're maturing mentally slower, but, you know, you kind of balance those two things out, you're still kind of in your 20s. I think think when you're ready to get married, some people may be younger, some people like a millennial, maybe a little bit older. But let me tell you something, while most millennials are not ready to get married at 21, as far as their maturity goes... Right there's another problem with our culture. Why aren't they mature enough to be married at 21? Maybe it's because you never taught them how to deal with any challenges. Maybe it's because you're giving them trophies for doing nothing. For tripping and falling down in the race, you're going to give them a trophy, you know, and make, make a hero out of them. Once again, that's what produces MGTOWs. That type of thing like that. So, but we, you know, I believe God wants us to get married young. It says in Proverbs 5, 18, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou always ravished with her love. The wife of thy youth. Get married young. Enjoy that wife. 
And I'm telling you right now, it is not a good idea for us to be promoting people waiting till they're older to get married. I believe that will have unintended consequences. I believe that type of thing is hurting our culture. I believe if we have a mentality that people should get married young, I believe it will affect how we train our kids. You know, we're, we'll probably be a little more intense with them. We'll probably be a little more careful about the choices we make and what we have them doing when we're thinking about, you know, at 20 years old, they're probably going to want to get married. You know what? Maybe I should let them go get a job when they're 16 and 17 years old and keep, instead of keeping them tied to my apron strings. Because I want to make sure they're ready. I want to make sure they've dealt with some challenges. I want to make sure they know how to, how to earn some money and how to work hard because it's hard work taking care of a wife. You know, and that's the thing too. Some of these MGTOW clowns that are always out there are just worthless losers, don't even have stinking jobs. You know what? If you don't have a job, you don't deserve a wife. You know, go jump in a lake. You, you're not ready to provide. You can't even provide for yourself. So what, you know, let alone a wife and children. So another practice that is also dis, uh, destructive that is being promoted is waiting a long time to have kids. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get up here and tell you, you know, how soon you should have kids after you're married, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, let's, let's look at a few things. In the Bible, for you, it, you know, if a per, if somebody gets married and they don't have any children for the first ten years, sometimes people just aren't able to have kids. Sometimes people struggle getting, you know, you know the, the woman struggles getting pregnant. Does that mean she's in sin? No, that doesn't mean that. Sometimes there's health problems. There's there's health reasons why they're not able to have kids. But once again, we should not teach someone to wait. That's the problem. We should not do that. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now, I have heard many preachers you know, uh, interpret the quiver full many different ways. And it, they typically interpret it historically but the number always seems to match up with how many kids they have. Which I find very interesting. Now, I studied it in the Greek or the Hebrew and I saw it said seven. I'm just kidding. That's how many I have. Acting like all the preachers. But folks, who goes out to battle with a quiver full of only seven arrows? Man, if I'm going out to battle, I'm packing as many arrows in my quiver as I can. And if I can only get seven in my quiver, I'm getting a bigger quiver. Because, you know, I want to take down, you know, there's probably, I might need to kill more than seven people. So, you know, where people are coming up with this five and six and seven, I don't know where they come up with that, okay? You want, you're going to stuff in as many as you can if you're going to go into battle. So, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a number right there, but doesn't it only make sense to start early while you're both young and strong? Isn't it just a scientific fact that the older you both get, especially the ladies, the less likely you are to get pregnant? So if the goal is to have a quiver full, it's better to start sooner rather than later. And most ladies these days, they want to wait until they're in their 30s to start having kids. Now, if that's just what happened with you, you're not in sin. But don't go around telling girls, oh, wait until you're 30 to get married. That's, that's not good. That doesn't make sense. 
You know, and ha- let me ask you this. How many children, because, you know, is it, is being, is considered being blessed by God? You know? Well, let me show you a few verses, just maybe kind of give you an idea, because there's not a specific number on this, but the Bible says in First Corinthians, or, yeah, Chronicles 26.4, Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were Shemaiah the firstborn, names a bunch, and then in verse uh, 5, Peluthai the eighth, for God blessed him. Right here we see he had eight sons, and it said, for God blessed him. So he was considered blessed for having eight. Now, this was specifically sons, which back then especially was a bigger deal. Okay? Hey, man, daughters are precious, but you know, back in the days when you never knew when you were going to get attacked and have to fight a battle, you, you wanted sons. Because you know what? I don't care, you know, what you think you've learned from Xena Warrior Princess or something, but girls aren't as good in a fight as guys. Okay? Oh, girls are just the same as guys. Yes. In the millennial crowd, in the millennial crowd, yes, they are equal. Okay? But once again, we're not millennials here, and we're not supposed to be raising millennials. And in the real world, girls aren't as good in a fight. Alright? And don't bring up some freak of nature that's on steroids, you know, that could probably beat me up. You know, they're, you know I'm, yeah, they're out there, but that's not what God intended either. If God intended for women to be like that, you know, then... He would have given them testosterone. But he didn't. So it's just uh, understand here is eighth. Another example we see Job chapter 42, verse 12. We know he had ten children at first. He was mentioned as being very blessed. But then it says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had fourteen thousand sheep, six thousand camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, a thousand she asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. So right there we see that Job had ten children. This was God blessing him. And he was blessed with ten. Seven sons too, and three daughters. And so, another reason too it makes sense to have him younger is another great accomplishment is and blessing is seeing future generations. We see in Job, also in Job 42 verse 16, it says, After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Even though Job had to start all over, he still got to be a great, if he saw four generations, that would be a great, great grandpa. And that was, God specifically highlighted that because that was a great accomplishment. Just last week, Ms. Pat told me that she's found out she's about to be a great, great grandma. I remember when Miss Hazel Church, she became a great, great grandma. And that's always an exciting thing when somebody, it's a, I remember when my parents, when they became grandparents, you know, they were thrilled out of their minds and just as proud as could be and showing off the fact that they were grandparents and they're going to be even more proud one of these days when they are great grandparents. And you know what? I hope I live long enough to see my grandchildren and my great grandchildren and maybe even great, great. Great, great, great. I don't know if I want to live that long. But at the same time, if I did, I can guarantee if I'm 100 years old, I'm going to be like, I'm a great, great, great grandpa. I can't even do a push-up anymore, but I'm a great, great, great grandpa. I guarantee I'd be bragging about that. I guarantee you that would be a great, a great accomplishment. And I, 
It, it, you don't. You have a better chance of that if you start young. That's one of the ways God wants to bless us. That's one of the great blessings is seeing future generations. And if you're going to wait until you're 40 to start having kids, you're going to miss out on that. And God wants to bless us with these children. And I believe it was His intention for us to get married young. It says in Genesis 50, verse 22, And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. And also the children of Matthew, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. Mentioning how he got to see the future generations. That was a great blessing for Joseph. That was one of the ways God blessed him. That wouldn't have happened if he would have acted like a millennial and waited forever to start having kids. So, it's not a sin when somebody starts having kids late, but let's not promote that. Let's not teach that. Let's encourage people. Let's raise our children to get married young and to have kids young because waiting causes missed blessings, but it also creates other problems. So, for example, all right, this is just, and this is just real life, this is just practical stuff here, when you wait to have children as a couple, it gets you used to two incomes. And you can never go back to one. You, do, you get used to two incomes for two people. And, they, and if you've got that kind of money coming in for a long time, you're going to start living the lifestyle of two incomes. Most people aren't going to save the, the woman's income. They're like, you know, we can afford the bigger cable package. We can afford the bigger car payment. We can afford the more expensive mortgage. We can afford all these things. And then all of a sudden, the devastating thing happens where she gets pregnant. And now all of a sudden, she has to quit her job. Now you've got, you know, you're used to this lifestyle of two incomes for two people. And now you've got to figure out how to live with one income for three people. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. Me and my wife, we never had to make that adjustment when we had Tommy nine months after we got married. That was never a problem. And you know what? We have always been poor. And so we, since we, we've never seen what it's been like to, you know, have all this extra money and stuff, we never had to suffer by having more kids and losing that. We just never had it. In some things it's better if you never had it. <laughs> and so we, we never had, we never had any cable package, let, let alone the expensive cable package. We've never had the new car. You know, there's a lot of things we've never had, but you know what? We've had our seven children and we're very thankful for it. And I, I believe they brought me more pleasure than a new car would have brought, you know, than all these other things that, you know, people are living for today and obsessing over today. And I can promise you this, talked about this a little bit this morning, even if, if we would have had a lot of money, Folks, there is no end of things that we can spend it on. All I'd have done is I'd have went to Bath Pro Shop and just enjoyed myself a little more there than I do now when I go. It's, it's amazing how fast that money can go. It, you're, ne- you're never going to be satisfied with it. Those things don't bring real pleasure, but children do. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Not just extra money. It's His reward. You can never get enough to satisfy your flesh. So... You know, have, don't you, you don't want to do that. If you wait too long, you're just going to make it more difficult when you finally do start having kids. Mathematically, you would be better off while you know to wait a while, save up money with that two incomes. You know, do this, do that, blah blah blah. How often do we do what's mathematically right? Okay, 
No, we, that's not what we do. It never works. You have to think practical. That's the way to do it. Also, another reason too, another just unintended consequence of waiting is you're not going to have the strength and the energy that you need. And let me tell you something. You know, I've, I'm seeing it here in this church with all the young people we have having kids. You know, I, I see it everywhere I go, traveling to different churches. You know, you're, there's constantly young families with a lot of little kids. And I am reminded of how hard it is to have a bunch of young kids. It is very challenging. It is easier now having young kids because we got a lot of help. We, you know, we've trained up some good help. But you know, some of you parents that, you know, you've got all these little kids and you don't have babysitters living at home and things like that. Man, I remember that. That's, that's tough. And let, you need a lot of energy. Man, there was a time when just going to the car was a challenge. And just going to the store because we had to load up three kids in car seats. And let me tell you, I'll never forget one day. I don't remember how many years we've been married when it happened. When we went and we got in the van and we still had some in car seats, but they were able to get themselves in car seats. We had one that had to be carried, but the kids were able to, I was like, we got in the van, my wife and I, and we didn't have to load up one kid. And it was like liberating, you know? And some of you parents, you know, you know what it's like right now. It's, it's challenging to just go run errands and go from store to store when you got to keep unbuckling all these kids and they're wiggling. It's hard. And I can't, I can't even imagine trying to do that again now at this age. Having three little kids like that. I, and people used to tell us, if you can handle three, you can handle more than, you, you know, one more after that doesn't even make a difference. It doesn't even matter after that. And I thought, that doesn't even make sense. But no, it does make sense because as they start getting older, they start helping themselves and they start helping you. So it makes perfect sense. But most people, they have that two or three and they just freak out and they give up. No, just hang on. Okay? Just hang on. Keep going. It's going to get a lot better. It's going to get easier. Don't stop, don't stop having those kids. You're, you're going to be glad you did. You're going to be blessed if you did. You know, it's going to, it's you know, another, uh, thing too when it comes to waiting it's going to make it easier for you to get lazy in your parenting and i've seen this too with some of these old parents you know and god bless you if you don't have your first kid until you're old but you know they often have a tough time keeping up and they often just kind of let things slide and just have that one kid that just doesn't do anything but play video games you know that's that's not good that's not good for that child for you to do that i get it that you're tired i get it that your back aches and all that kind of stuff you know, you're not in sin that you waited, but folks, is that what we want for ourselves? Is that what we want for our kids? I want to have, I want to have them young. Waiting also creates a culture of being selfish and just causing things and causing things to be the priority instead of family. And this will haunt you when you're too old to take care of yourselves. You will regret that one of these days because your kids aren't going to want to help take care of you. They're too busy trying to make the almighty dollar. You taught them to worship that money all those years. And now they're worshiping it themselves. They're not, you know, you're going to cost them money. And so, you know, you, if, if that's the priority you taught them, that's, that's going to hurt. And so the other thing, too, that's being promoted is having too few children. And I need to cover this quick, but folks, this creates a problem for the next generation. Hey, if you only have two or three kids, you're not in sin. It's, it's not a sin to only have a couple kids, but... Your kid, it helps your children to be better parents if they get to see how you are 
with young children, if they see how you are with babies, because your kids aren't going to remember what you did with them when they were a baby. They don't remember those things. But if you continue having kids, they see it with their younger brothers and sisters. You say, well, what about the youngest ones? They're going to see it with all their nieces and nephews and with the grandkids that you help watch and all that. They're going to get to see that. My sisters, they got to get some good experiences from my kids. My youngest sister one time, she had the blessing of watching my boys when we were away one time. And Jason, you know, he has this thing when he throws up, it's like a fire hose. And he did it. He didn't make it to the bathroom and he puked everywhere. It smelled horrible. She called my wife up crying and just bawling and everything. And just, you know, I mean, it was, it was a real traumatic experience. We were on our way back, but we were still over an hour away. She couldn't just let the puke sit there for two hours stinking up the house. She had to do something about it. It was pretty traumatic. But let me tell you something. She got a taste of reality there. And when she got married and had her own kids, she kind of knew what she was in for a little bit. You know? And I think, I think it was good. A lot of people, they have this attitude that they're just going to go have these kids and it's going to be like, I love Lucy, where he's just in the other room silent all the time. You never see the kid. And when you do see the kid, it's because they're handing him off to the babysitter. And that's not real life. Real life is puking and exploded diapers and things like that. That's real life. And your kids need to see some of that stuff. And your kids need to see that when a baby explodes its diaper and it's got the unspeakable all over the place, that you don't just leave the kid and abandon the kid. You know, you got to go and you got to take that kid and you got to, you know, you got to clean that up. When that kid spits up, you don't get to just leave it there. You got to wipe it off with your sleeve sometimes. Amen. You know, we just saw <laughs> that, you know, that, that's, that, moms have to do some gross things. But you know, we got these millennial types today. They see their kid do something gross. Oh, what am I supposed to do? You know, and they're calling 911, you know, because they don't, they have no idea what to do. Let your kids see what to do. You show them with the younger siblings and then they'll get to see it too with their nieces and nephews and when the grandkids are around. And, but unfortunately today we have these, you know, parents, they had the two kids real fast and they freaked out and they like, we're done. And then. Those kids grow up and they have no idea. They don't know how to interact with little kids. They don't know how to work with little kids. They don't know how to put a kid in a car seat. They don't know how to change a diaper. They have no idea what they're doing. How, how are you going to help them now be a good parent? Having more kids, having a lot of kids helps with that. And so you're not if you don't do that, but your child is going to have a tougher time. He might have to go to some degrading class with a bunch of millennials where they're being taught how to change a diaper. You know, and we shouldn't, my kids aren't going to have to go to anything like that. And it, it's amazing some of the classes that they have today. My wife does some of these classes, you know, with music and stuff, basically practically teaching parents how to play with their kids. And I see that and I'm thinking, what, why do you need a class to do something like this? I know how to do that kind of thing. You know how I know to play with my kids? I watch my dad play with my sisters and do songs with them, and do all these things that my wife has to teach other parents how to do. I, I watched my dad do it, and so I knew exactly what to do with my kids. I knew all the songs to sing. I knew all the little things. I, I knew all that. Same, a lot of the same stuff I did with my kids, I watched my dad do with my little sisters. I don't remember him doing it to me, but I got to see it with my sisters. So, you know, the, you got to understand, if you're going to you know, follow this mentality, you're going to hurt the next generation. You're going to kind of give your kids, you're going to put your kids as a disadvantage as parents. In fact, if you're not careful, 
your kids might be the kind of parents that millennials are being today. They are putting them all in daycare. And then wonder why their kids have all these bad habits and are always biting people and getting all these sicknesses and things. That's what's going to happen with you. Your children need practice taking care of little kids. And when they, for when they parent someday, they need opportunities to be responsible. And understand that, you know, the big family was God's intended mechanism for training your children to be those parents. And unfortunately, most people today just aren't doing that. I can't declare that a sin to only have a certain number of kids. But I can definitely tell you that's a dumb thing to promote. That's a foolish thing to, to practice and encourage. I do not believe that was what God intended. And I believe that these type of things, and I have more, I'm going to stop with these. I believe it's these type of things that have contributed to the mess that we're seeing in families today. And so you need to take these things into consideration. And if you're already at one of these disadvantages, you know what? That's fine. But understand the disadvantage that you are at. And when you understand the disadvantage, it'll help you figure out what you need to do now to overcome. You're not just going to go into it you know, blindly thinking everything's going to be as easy as it is for maybe these other people who did things the way God intended. You're going to understand, hey, I'm, we're missing something here, so we got to make up for it in this area. And you, you've got to now make that adjustment. And I believe if we just recognize that, we will be able to make those adjustments and you'll be able to be successful too. But let's not promote that. Don't be that person, this is what I did, this is what everybody ought to do. No, don't do that. that that's, that's not going to help. So let's, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray that this was a help to everyone. I pray you'll help us uh, to not follow the ways of the world, that we won't be like the Americans, we won't follow their customs and their ordinances, Lord, that we will do things the way that you intended. And I pray that you'll uh, bless everyone for it. If there is one here that maybe they're at one of these disadvantages, thanks to the culture that we're in, I pray you'll help them to just recognize um, that and just help them to overcome it. Help them to realize they've got a, they've got a challenge ahead of them, but uh, but you can still help them uh, still be successful as a result. And, and we just ask your help there. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and...